This episode of Roadie Radio is brought to you by free outdoor Wi-Fi at your library. Park or sit outside at your local Ocean State Library and connect to the library parking lot network. No password or library card required. There is no time limit on outdoor Wi-Fi, so feel free to enjoy a beautiful day while getting work done, binging your favorite show, or playing online games. This project has been made possible with generous funding from the Rhode Island Take It Outside Initiative and the Rhode Island Foundation, with a generous donation of equipment from the Information Technology Disaster Resource Center and through partnerships with OCEAN, the Ocean State Higher Education Economic Development and Administrative Network, and your local public library. listening to Rhodey Radio, Rhode Island Library Radio Online. I am your host, Emily Goodman, from the Rhodey Radio team. Every November at the Convention Center in downtown Providence, people from all over the state, region, and nation gather for the Rhode Island Comic Con, a three-day-long convention featuring cosplay costume competition, video game tournaments, and an array of celebrity guests like your favorite actors, voice artists, comic book authors, and professional wrestlers. A staggering estimated 100,000 people attended Rhode Island Comic Con in 2022. But across town on the Saturday of Comic-Con weekend is another event for families who cannot afford or otherwise attend the large convention, the Neighborhood Comics Fest at Mount Pleasant Library. Here to talk to us about that event today are State Representative and Commissioner of the Renegade Wrestling Alliance, David Morales, and Makerspace Program Coordinator at Mount Pleasant Library, Garrett Locke. Welcome, David and Garrett. Would you please introduce yourselves a little bit? Sure. Yeah, I can go first. Um, so my name's uh, Garrett Locke. I'm the Makerspace Coordinator at um, the Community Libraries of Providence. Uh, and Mount Pleasant Library is one of our locations. Um, and I've been working for libraries for about nine years now. Um, and we've been doing the event um, that we're going to be talking about today um, since 2016. And it's been a lot of fun. Um, and um, yeah, I'm excited to be here. Yeah, Emily, thank you again so much for the introduction. So my name is David Morales, he, him. And I have the pleasure of serving as the state representative in the city of Providence for the Mount Pleasant Valley and Elmhurst neighborhoods. And so I'm very grateful to have Mount Pleasant Library as being our neighborhood local branch. And in regards to some of the work I do outside the state house is community engagement. And so I've always had the pleasure of being able to host my monthly community meetings at Mount Pleasant Library, collaborate when it comes to programming, some of which also dives into the work I do as a professional wrestler on the weekends. So I love to joke around that I wear a suit on the weekdays and I wear spandex on the weekends because I am currently, as stated, the commissioner and reigning defending hype champion of the Renegade Wrestling Alliance, which is a local wrestling promotion that provides family-friendly entertainment. Great. And since we're talking a bit about comics, I thought I would ask you guys, uh, what's your favorite superhero and why? I'll just say without question, Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, growing up, I was I was accustomed to watching the 1990s animated Spider-Man series that would come out on 4Kids television. And in addition to that, uh, my first exposure to Spider-Man alongside the cartoon was the 2002 Sam Raimi uh, trilogy of the Spider-Man movies starring Tobey Maguire. 
And I just fell in love with the character almost immediately because of how relatable the character Peter Parker was. The fact that he is a working class person who deals with personal struggles and then those struggles related to being a superhero in relation to all the villains he has to fight and overcome. And so for me, I just love the stories that went behind Spider-Man well beyond just the mask, in addition to the cool webbing and the ability to climb walls. So for me, it was like the full package of the person behind the mask, in addition to just all the cool moves they would do. And as a part of that, and we'll get into it a little more, uh, one thing I often do is dress up as Spider-Man and essentially cosplay at Spider-Man uh, for different community events. Yeah, Spider-Man is also one of my favorites uh, uh, in recent years, uh, especially um, uh, for, for similar reasons. Yeah, he's just uh, just the relatable kind of hero's journey of just the kid next door, just you know, discovering these powers and just... Um, I think that's just really cool and something that um, I love when I see that kind of um, story emerge in comics. Um, one of my other favorites is um, Storm from X-Men. Um, and I just I think it's just a really cool power and really um, to be able to control the weather and something that you wouldn't necessarily always think about as being like, oh, yeah, that, that would be really useful. You'd just be able to um, control the atmosphere, but it's actually would have an impact on a lot of things. Um, so it's, uh, I just think that's a really, um, I think she's really cool. I, I like, like that character a lot. If you could have any superpower um, of all the superheroes or just anything that you could invent for yourself, what would you like your superpower to be? I think mine would be teleportation. I was thinking about this and I, um, one of them would be for just selfish reasons. Like I wouldn't have to like walk all the way downstairs to pick up my <laughs> delivery order or I wouldn't have to commute to work. I could just like, you know, blink my eyes and it'd just be there. But, uh, but also like if you were like a superhero and you're in a, like a really like sticky situation, um, you couldn't fly out of a situation or like run really fast out of a situation. You could just like um, disappear from where you are and just appear somewhere else. I think that would come in really handy um, and save a lot on, travel expenses if you're traveling elsewhere <laughs> i would say similar to dr strange the ability to time travel uh, though that would require a lot of responsibility hence why the saying goes with great power comes greater responsibility in that regard just when thinking about all the different timelines that exist uh, i think that ability to time travel would just be needless to say so eye-opening right it'd just be exposed to different periods of time different cultures and just being able to have that ability to, again, explore our world holistically. Um, obviously, I think what Mr. G had made a reference to as well, though, in regards to like just being able to teleport is something that is just like immediately accessible. And I like to think similarly, time travel would have that sense of, again, urgency, where it's that level of convenience, in addition to also just being able to leverage for the greater good. I like that. I think that the ability to sort of pause time would be really cool. Uh, maybe not necessarily to go to different times of time. Well, it doesn't really make sense. Places and time. Um, but I'm with you, Garrett. Uh, teleportation is 100% the superpower that I would have. I could see all of my friends everywhere that they are. I would see my family a lot more. Um, and yes, 
I wouldn't have to commute to work, which would be really, really nice. I could get so much more packed into my day. Um, although I would not, I'd have to figure out how to listen to audiobooks because that's what I do mostly when I'm traveling. Um, so I'd have to carve out some time for that. Well, if you freeze time, right, you can listen to all the audiobooks you <laughs> there want. There you go. Can I have, I'll have both. I'll have teleportation <laughs> with time, uh, time pausing, freezing abilities. <laughs> Okay, so let's get into the Neighborhood Comic Fest. So generally speaking, when does it take place um, each year? So uh, we hold it every um, every year on this, uh, usually the Saturday that um, Rhode Island Comic Con is going on. Um, so this year it'll be on November 4th, uh, and it's usually uh, for um, like a four-hour block of time in the afternoon. So it'll be between uh, 1 p.m. and 5 p.m. at um, Mount Pleasant Library. Yeah, and I just want to comment. I know you made a reference to it earlier, Emily, but I just appreciate how intentional the library has been over the years to ensure that they're flexible with their scheduling, depending on, again, when the official Rhode Island Comic Con is going on, to ensure that the Neighborhood Comics Fest is happening that same weekend. And honestly, during like that same peak hour as well, right? Because 1 p.m. to 5 p.m. on a Saturday is usually when you have the larger stars appearing at the comic con right because they're usually contracted for that respective day and those again are the days that usually generate a lot of excitement but also generate a lot of disappointment for the folks who don't have the means to attend or don't have accessibility to get there so by being able to say we know that's the peak time but during that peak time we also have our neighborhood comics fest that's what i just appreciate about the scheduling that goes into it it isn't just thrown together during some time in like October, November, instead it is a very intentional space and time in which we do it. Yeah. So what's the history of the event? How did it get started? Whose idea was it? Uh, and where has it come since that sort of first day in 2016? Yeah. So it, was a, it started out as a um, collaboration between uh, Mount Pleasant staff from Mount Pleasant Library and Olneyville Library. So um, Emily LeMay, um, and Sarah Gluck were the um, the two librarians who uh, got together and uh, started planning it. Um, and they were working with um, Walker Metling from the Province Commerce Consortium, who's been a big friend of the library over the years. Um, and um, and they ended up partnering with Province Roller Derby because Roller Girl had just come out um, recently, and that was a popular uh, graphic novel at the time. And, um, and yeah, it was just it was. Um, you know, they just had an idea to have uh, this event that would just celebrate uh, storytelling and art and comics culture, gaming, uh, imagination, all these different things, creative expression um, uh, during the, t- the time of um, the comic, comics convention, um, just to have another op- option for, uh, for kids and for families um, to participate um, in their own way. And um, so over the years, uh, we've had a lot of really great um, community partners participate as well. Um, Big Nazo has made a few appearances, and they're always amazing. And you know, just get the party going. Um, uh, of course, um, you know, David's been great with um, the um, Spider-Man uh, appearances. Um, Wilbury Theater Group has been a partner over the years. Um, some teaching artists from RISD um, had a lot of, um, and then just uh, the activities that the library staff have put together. Um, you know, we've had different themes over the years. Um, and uh, we've also had a, a couple other libraries join in. So over um, with the past few years, we've had Washington Park be 
a um, a partner. So last year we actually had the event at Washington Park Library, and that was great because we were able to um, offer it at a different um, location in the city, a different neighborhood, uh, so we can kind of rotate it around. Um, I'm really happy that it's going to be back at Mount Pleasant this year, um, but it is great to um, kind of re- rotate to different neighborhoods. And um, yeah, I was really excited to see how it's grown over the years and you know, the different activities that we've tried and um, you know just the great response from the community. So have you thought about doing like a full rotation of all of the CLPVD libraries? Like having it at a different one each year, that could as we've yeah added more locations and uh, more staff have been interested in participating. Uh, that is something that down the road it might be something we could try. I, I know Onlyville is interested in um, hosting it probably next mm-hmm. next year. Um, they have done it in the past, and they have uh, a great outdoor space over at that location, um, and they you know have really great events over there. So that's definitely something that we could. Um, but, you know, that's on our radar. That might be really cool to cool to do. And if I may, I think this also yeah. ties back for the need for city and state governments to further support our libraries in order to ensure that they have the resources to do this programming. Because one thing I always cite is across the different community libraries of Providence, the fact that we have nine different branches, essentially. We only have three that are open on the weekends between Knight Memorial, Mount Pleasant, and Rochambeau. And that's something I always share with our neighbors, that we are spoiled in our neighborhood. Because not only do we have extended hours until 8 p.m., but we have accessibility to our library on a Saturday. And for a vibrant community like Onlyville, where there are tons of youth and families that value and cherish their libraries, it's disappointing that they're not necessarily open on Saturdays. And so even the idea of like hosting a comic festival at Onlyville Library on a Saturday, I know for a fact, and again, the concern would be like that disconnect where folks are like, wait, I thought the library was closed on Saturday, right? So if we could get to a point where universally all of our branches across Providence were open on the weekends, I think that would be exponentially helpful, not even just for neighborhood comic book festival on an annual basis, but just programming in general, right? Because Washington Park neighborhood deserves to be able to have access to those Saturday programmings and not necessarily just be those like one-offs. That's a really great point. Thank you, David. Uh, so, David, when did you get started um, attending and then sort of partnering with the Neighborhood Comic Fest? Yeah, so I would say Mr. G and I started partnering together uh, essentially summer and fall of 2020. Uh, during the midst okay. of the pandemic, uh, Mr. G was doing an incredible job alongside some of the other children specialists at Mount Pleasant Library as related to creating goodie bags for the kids in our neighborhoods, especially because, again, as we know, there's limitations around just the library spaces during the height of the pandemic. And I would always tell Mr. G, like, send me what materials you're working on. That way I can advertise it out to the neighborhood. I'll put it on my newsletter. I'll make sure that I'm putting it out on the neighborhood Facebook pages. That way folks are aware that, hey, even if you can't necessarily access the library in all of the different programming in person, there's still story time with Mr. G that's happening on a weekly basis. You still have access to some of the goodie bags. And I think that intentional relationship building is what eventually led to more thoughtful collaboration between us and hence why, again, fall of 2020, again, being conscientious of still masking and understanding like the protocols on how we could do outdoor programming, we were able to still host a fall of 2020 uh, Comic-Con festival right outside of Mount Pleasant Library. And 
I remember the decorations that we had set up, some like little superhero decorations. There was some uh, tarot card reading going on. Naturally, I was dressed up as Spider-Man. And the beauty of it is I've been a part of, again, the Neighborhood Comics Festival for the last three years, across 2020, 2021, 2022. And each and every single year, it has grown in capacity in terms of like the partnerships and the activities. And that's the beauty of library programming, right? Like coming from humble beginnings and then realizing that the programming is catching on across different sectors of the community. So you have more community groups actively reaching out, asking how they can be a part of it. And not only that, but it also becomes a programming event that kids and their families look forward to. Because you correct me if I'm wrong, Mr. G, but I think we saw an increase in kids dressing up in costumes from 2020 in comparison to like 2022, right? Like right. we see a lot more kids now actively dressing up because the yep. first time around it was like, all right, let's see what this is about, right? So mm-hmm. maybe a kid was just wearing like a Batman t-shirt or something along those lines. Whereas like mm-hmm. in recent years, now they're wearing the whole costume. Right. It's you nice do to a get. costume contest for the kids. We've done a um, like a little like uh, runway. Uh, we haven't done a, um, a uh, contest per se, but uh, we have had like a little like a uh, like a little stage where they could uh, just kind of like show off their uh, their costume and their moves and um, and um, yeah, it's especially uh, it's, it's a good opportunity, especially if you have like a, a costume from the week before from Halloween that you want to like mm-hmm. you know. Take it, take around the block for you know another week. Um, you know they can you know, dress up as you know their their favorite character for a second week in a row. Um, so yeah, so it's it's, it's fun, and um, the, the the staff always try to uh, dress up and just kind of you know bring some of the festive spirit to the event. And alongside the runway, there's also like very creative and thoughtful backdrops. That way, families can take photos uh, of each other with one another. And again, it goes back to that intentional focus of making the Neighborhood Comics Fest an experience, right? Not necessarily just an event to go for like an hour or two, but like make it a whole experience where you can have photos that you can take back with you, you can remnants on, build those memories. And I love the runaway. Um, that was developed a year after. Uh, in 2021, I remember that's when we started doing the runaway. I, I was still trying to perfect my cartwheel. And I couldn't get it done on time, and I didn't want to take the risk of falling. <laughs> uh, but some of the kids would get really creative in terms of like how they would style the runway, right? Like there was some that would like get on their knees, do like some cool poses as they were walking down the runway and whatnot. Um, but perhaps this year, the the cartwheel might be ready in time. You have what a month and a half? Yeah, yeah. yeah. you got some lots time. of stretching, lots of bananas. Avoid the cramping. We'll we'll get it done. Exactly. I think I've done one successful cartwheel like one time and it was on the beach. So it was like, like <laughs> in your like, life. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, it's like, I don't know if I could be able to do it on a hard surface. But, but I feel like <laughs> the older I get, the less confident I get. And I feel like that shaky confidence is really where you get in trouble. Yeah. You have to commit. <laughs> so David talked a little bit about this, but what do you feel like the significance of holding this event at a library at the same time of Comic-Con at the convention center is? And why is that so important? Yeah, uh, so I, um, I think, you know, we're fortunate to have, you know, an event like Rhode Island Comic-Con. It's a lot of fun. People look forward to it. Um, and, you know, it's a great, the, the spirit of a comics convention t- style event is something to celebrate because um, there's so many stories and characters and, um, you know, that mean a lot to people. And um, it's just fun to get together with people and just, you know, just kind of 
nerd out on things that they like. And, um, and, um, you know, but sometimes that's, especially for kids um, and families, sometimes that's out of reach for, because of cost or because of transportation or uh, any other uh, factor um, like that. And uh, we thought, you know, it would be a good idea. It'd just be good for, to have options and different access points for people to join in on the fun um, during that weekend. So it's just kind of like a, you know, no matter where you are, there's a way to join in um, in that kind of spirit. And the public library is already a place where we celebrate storytelling of all kinds, um, arts programming. Um, some of our most popular items at the library are, are comics and graphic novels. And, um, you know, so it's already a place where a lot of kids encounter comics and graphic novels and authors that they really like. And, um, you know, and it's a place where they look forward to finding those stories. So it just seemed like a good fit to have an event that really highlights and, you know, uplifts those those elements that people really um, enjoy participating in. Yeah, Mr. G said it perfectly. It is all about accessibility. Again, we have to remember most of our community libraries are very close to a rip the bus stop. They're embedded in the neighborhood. One does not have to like really go out of their way to access their neighborhood library, especially in a community like Mount Pleasant. So that beauty of being able to have, again, an alternative that is free with free food, free programming, free comic books for the kids. Mm-hmm. Again, I believe it like creates that alternative for a lot of our working parents to be able to recognize like outside of, again, having to pay 40 plus dollars just to even get in to the convention center for Comic-Con, much less purchasing anything at the concession stands, the merchandise stands, or even having to pay for an autograph or a photo, we have an alternative. And an alternative, again, that I will continue to emphasize is very intentional in terms of the way the programming is organized, right? Because the idea is to make it a whole experience. And the fact that there are different booths set up, they're all different in their own way, even in terms of like the comics that kids could receive for free, a vary by age group. Because one aspect that I've always appreciated about the Neighborhood Comics Fest is the diversity of the families and those folks who attend. Because oftentimes we'll have teenagers who won't necessarily like come with their families, but they'll go with their friends. And thankfully, you know, we got comics that are curated to teenagers. And at the same time, the programming also isn't necessarily just for kiddos six and under, right? It's accessible programming that everyone can enjoy. And I think that's the beauty of it is like just how universal it is. That way, one doesn't feel excluded from being able to participate and have fun. Yeah, that's one one thing that we've been, um, yeah, just trying to be intentional about over the years. Yeah, it's just like... um, you know, having something for everybody and, um, you know, just all the different, you know, it's a really, really good opportunity because it's a topic that, you know, you can go in a lot of different directions with, you know, with, uh, from, from the more of like the, having a table with, you know, some art, you know, and craft activities to having more like high tech things. And, you know, the library has, has all those, um, a lot of those different types of things. So, uh, it's been really, it's, it's been a fun, opportunity to think creatively about the types of programmings that type of programming that we can offer. Yeah, Mr. G, if you wouldn't mind, I think it'd be awesome if you could also share, um, I believe it was about two years ago when you had the computer set up for 
kids to be able to like build their own video game during yeah. the actual like festival, right? That was fun. Yeah. Um, so, so we had a um, th- th- we had been doing a library program uh, during, during the fall where people were uh, we had kids come in and uh, design video games with something called Bloxels, and it's, um, you know just an opportunity to build a little like like a scrolling like two D kind of Mario type uh, video game. Um, but they could customize it and with different characters and make little animations for the characters and um, design little, little like scenes and everything. And so we had a few of those already built. And there's a gallery of you know um, games that people have made from around the country. But then people could also just kind of put together their characters that day as well. So we had a um, TV monitor set up and we had a computer next to it. And um, people could kind of just, you know, Take a um, take a crack at um, putting a game together, and then just play the game. And then people were watching and curious about it. Um, we had some people interested in joining in at the um, the ongoing library program. Um, you know, in, in the following weeks, because they're interested in learning more about putting the game together. So it was a good opportunity to just build some new new relationships, or you know, help to foster or you know, deepen relationships with. Um, the families who were coming in so that they could follow up and continue to come to the library and participate in other programs. Um, so that was, that was fine. Just a good combination of um, technology being used to do something really creative and fun and hands-on. And um, yeah, the, the kids had a lot of fun with that one. That was, uh, that was really good. Good booth. And tech. if I may, I just want to mention what I loved is how much pride the kids took in the video games that they developed. Right, because as Mr. G had made a reference to, so they would work on getting the game set up and organized, and then eventually they would plug it onto the TV monitor for everyone who was at the festival to see. And they would start describing, all right, this is the protagonist, this is what the objective of the game is, and like essentially being like an in-person game manual explaining to us the concept and rationale between the decisions they made on why the game was designed the way it was. Yeah. And again, this happened relatively quickly, right? Mr. G is like they can develop the video game like within a span of like half an hour. Yeah, the, this the program we're using is like, like using color codes. So like green is ground and blue is yep is uh, water and like red is hazard. So you could just kind of place the little like world together using just the colors. And um so yeah, it's it's pretty pretty quick. You can really put together a really cool concept. Um and yeah, it was yeah, so I'll just I think, say it again: accessibility, right? Like yeah. you did not have to be a coder in order in order to partake and develop your game. Not yeah. only that, a thing that I'm sort of really hearing from you is like how hands-on everything is, and I think with the size of the crowd, like so, I'm remembering right that statistic that maybe a hundred thousand people were at comic-con last year and i feel like that's super overwhelming like for me it would be super overwhelming and i imagine like for a younger kid um who maybe hasn't gone to an event that that's large that's a lot and that means that those really cool things like you're describing of creating your own video game even if that station exists at comic-con you're not necessarily going to get a turn at it because there's Mm -hmm. so many other people that you're you know sort of fighting for time with in this limited like time span of four or five hours of comic-con and so that's also a really great thing that you offer to your community is this like you get that community aspect these are your neighbors these are people that you might see like at the bus stop or at the grocery store and you get to talk to them and create this stuff but you also really get the chance to do it which is so exciting Mm -hmm. it's like it it's invaluable even though you haven't paid for it it's absolutely invaluable yeah 
And you make yeah. a really good point, Emily, because you are absolutely correct. Comic cons could be very overwhelming, especially for younger children. And I would mm-hmm. even argue for parents as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think they'll like right pay for the ticket, not necessarily knowing what to fully expect. And again, you have swarms of booths, mm-hmm. dozens of people. Don't get me wrong, some of the cosplaying is pretty cool, but it can get really crowded. Mm. Yeah, and and imagine like, right, you spend all this money to go and then you get there and you or your child or somebody that you're with realizes like, oh, I can't do this, right? Like, this is too overwhelming. It's it. There's too much stimulus just and now I'm just going to go home. It's been like half an hour. I've spent all this money, whereas you could go to the library event and maybe that's your same experience. You show up and you're like, oh. Yep, too many people, but you haven't really risked and invested as much to figure that out for yourself. And I think that that's also something that libraries really offer people is like, you get to figure out like, what is it? What is it that you like? Maybe you don't know if you're interested in comic books and graphic novels. And so you kind of get to go and explore this and see what it's all about before you really get to invest more heavily in this hobby mm. or, or whatever it is. That's a good point. Yeah, like just like you just you know testing it out, kind of testing the waters, get getting us getting a little bit of exposure to something. Yeah, that's something. That, yeah, that in a lot of different ways, yeah, the libraries are really good at doing. Yeah, not to mention, right, Mr. G, we would always see like some folks would engage with the neighborhood comics festival and then walk directly right into the library because again, we host it outside, right? So I yeah. think, as stated, if folks ever felt like overstimulated, it's like I'm going to go inside the quiet space inside yeah. of the library. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And being outside, right, you can take a break. You can, like, walk across the street. You can sort of, like, get some space in a way that in a really big crowded room you might not be able to. So what can people expect at this year's event? What are you particularly excited about that you're going to have? Are you going to do a video game thing again? What's on the docket? So uh, one thing, uh, we're going to have a couple different really cool things. We have some robots um, that we we use for library programming. Um, There's, like, little tabletop robots, and we're going to be having a little... uh, uh, people can make little characters to attach to the robots and then do some races. Um, we're going to have some comics-themed, like, mini-golf station. Um, we're going to have some green screen, so just, like, getting some exposure to some special effects and um, kind of incorporate that into our uh, photo booth um, activities. Um, a lot of other really fun um, booths and activity tables. Um, and I still have to think of a, a costume. I'm still putting that together, but... Um, I've been in various characters over the years, but I, I always have trouble thinking of who I think of dress as. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, and yeah, and there's gonna be music playing, um, people in costume, um, and um, yeah, just it'll be a lot of fun. Danger Dog was always one of my favorite costumes of yours, Mister G. For what it's worth, <laughs> oh, the, the Dog Man is that? The, yeah, <laughs> that was oh. yeah, yeah. He, he's yeah. Um, I haven't been a Children's librarian for um, you know over a year, but I, I imagine Dogman is so probably popular. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. yeah. So I can definitely share that Spider Man will be in attendance once more, Excellent. and he is hoping to bring additional superhero friends such as the Black Panther and also some local wrestlers from the Renegade Wrestling Alliance as well, who will be in gear and costume and have some championship belts with them. That way, I'll say this right now, as like a reigning champion who literally wears his belt everywhere because I'm weird like that, I will tell you right now, kids love it. They, they, they won't even make two and two connections that I'm a wrestler because they're like, oh, you're too small, but you have a cool title. Can I take a picture with it? And I'm like, of course. Yeah. <laughs> 
but that looks important. <laughs> exactly. It looks shiny yeah, so too, to right? Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so hoping to add some of that wrestling fun to it this year as well. Excellent. What a good transition, David. Thank you. Uh, to talking about you and your wrestling role, uh, can you talk a little bit about the Renegade Alliance? What's the local wrestling scene like? Of course. So I got started with the Renegade Wrestling Alliance about a little over two years ago. Uh, they were hosting their first show since the start of the pandemic at Mount Pleasant Little League, which is, again, the neighborhood I represent. So the promoter invited me to say a few words and, you know, be a good politician, thank the crowd for coming out, and thank the wrestlers for putting on an amazing show. And when I got there, they asked me, hey, would you feel comfortable taking a body slam from our world champion who plays like the main villain? And I said, absolutely. So I grew up a lifelong wrestling fan, right? So I was like, say no more. Just show me how to do it safely so I don't hurt myself. But I'm all in. And so I got body slammed. People loved it. (laughs) And the promoter asked, hey, would you be willing to come back on a monthly basis? We host our shows last weekend of every month. And sure enough, two years later, the story has evolved. So now I play a bad guy. Uh, I've been Commissioner David Morales for well over a year and a half where I wear very colorful socks, pants, shirts. I wear a little dart glove, and I have a menacing laugh. (laughs) And essentially, I play the character of what is called an arrogant heel. So in wrestling, there are two terms and two types of characters. Baby faces, which are the quote-unquote good guys, and heels, which are the quote-unquote bad guys. And the way I always describe professional wrestling to everyone is the beautiful art where you combine storyline-driven drama, athleticism, and humor all wrapped into one within the four corners of a wrestling ring. And so at the local level, it's just always amazing to see the diverse crowds that we're attracting at every show. Uh, Because for most shows, we have about 200 folks who show up. And we run them in different venues, whether it's a rec center, the basement of a church, (laughs) a little league field. Uh, Our last show was actually at the Columbus Theater on Broadway in Providence. So we have like mini tours right across the state. And we are based in Rhode Island. And we, like I said before, we have tons of families that come out and they are very rowdy to say the least. And that's the part I love is just how engaged they are into the storylines and the characters, even if that means I get booed. So do you feel like you fell into this persona or did you feel like you got to craft yourself as the commissioner? It was so organic, right? So again, keep in mind, like I was never supposed to be like the bad guy per se, because my arch nemesis, the world champion was the villain. But for whatever reason, the crowd would cheer when I would get slammed, like something bad would happen to me. And then they would boo me every time i got a leg up and so naturally i was like all right the crowd is telling us what they want to see if they want to boo me i will give them a reason to boo me (laughs) so no more mr nice guy i'm changing up my outfits i'm about to start laughing in your face and telling you why i'm the most important person in this arena and so i think it just felt so organic and it also opened up so many doors and opportunities for me to work with all the other talent And that's like the beauty of it is like everyone is local. Most of our roster are based predominantly in Rhode Island and Massachusetts. And I have to say right now, they work incredibly hard because I've been going to wrestling school now for about five months uh, because most of my character has been more of like an authority figure. Uh, But recently I've started stepping in the ring 
and there's just so much technique to learn. And the most important part is keeping yourself and your opponent safe as you're doing all of that. Do people recognize you when you're out in public? Other than the fact that you bring your title with you everywhere you go, uh, do people like know who you are when they see you for the most part? Yes, especially when I go to Aldi's, which is the beauty of it. And there's always two ways I'll get recognized. I am either, oh, you're the politician who wrestles, Mm -hmm. or, oh, you're the wrestler who's a politician. (laughs) So one way or the other, the connection's always made, but folks either identify me first as the wrestler and then the elected official or the elected official who has the side hustle of being a wrestler. So it's always interesting to see those dynamics in terms of like how people first identify me. And again, I just appreciate, again, the recognition. Most importantly, like I said, when the kids see me with the championship belt and ask like, oh my God, like that is so cool. And naturally I say, hold it. Like this is your belt. And the one comment I always get is, wow, this is heavy. Because it looks thin, but then you hold it and the plates have weight on them. Mm-hmm. It's then the kids will like struggle to get it up and then they'll get it up in the air. And usually mom or dad or their guardian will take a photo and it's always a nice time. That's great. And do you participate in like other community events as your persona? Yes. My favorite like recent initiative over the last couple of months has been pro wrestling story time. So yeah. I will dress up fully geared in my wrestling persona. And I will get some of my fellow wrestlers to also come out. And what we do is we read children's themed wrestling books. And you'd be amazed. There's so many wrestling books like geared for children. And what I love is we'll usually have about two stories that are read. They're usually read by like our baby faces, right? Our good guys. And Mm -hmm. we have one of our characters, the Mighty Bosch, who is actually like a superhero. So it works out perfectly because he has very colorful, bright gear with a cape on. You'll read a story, emphasize certain lines, get the kids and families engaged. And once they wrap up their two stories, I storm in and I tell everyone, I don't like any of these kids and their lovely families in attendance. And you all have to remember that this is my library. This is my carpet. All of this is mine and you all need to get out. And then the good the good guy will naturally say, no, this is our library commissioner. This is the public's library. This is the community library. And then we proceed to have an impromptu match on the carpet. Uh, And usually it's about a minute. We'll like grapple. We'll work it around. I'll put them in a headlock. Eventually I'll get lifted up and then tossed down for a body slam. And my favorite part is when I am covered and ready to be pinned, the kids are the ones that count to three. (laughs) that's awesome so we have done two of those so far at Mount Pleasant Library and the demand is just so high in terms of like other libraries wanting to start hosting pro wrestling story time and just the positive feedback we get from families it's such a fun time that's cool so for any librarians who are listening uh, David is for hire for wrestler story time (laughs) yes (laughs) excellent I love seeing the photos on uh, Facebook too, on the uh, Mount Pleasant Library Facebook page. Like I, I just recently, I just watched uploaded, and just it looks like such a fun event. That's awesome. Well, I'll go find those, and I'll link that in the show notes. All right. So going back a little bit to uh, Comic Con, but we can also talk about like right that wrestling story time. What do you feel like the library feels like during these events? So there's definitely um, 
yeah, just a nice, a nice buzz, a nice, um, there's a lot of different things going on. You just kind of walk around, um, you'll see different people engaged in different activities. Um, it's definitely very joyful and lively. There's music going on and, um, you kind of just, you know, just walk around. There's some, you know, more, um, you know, passive things, you know, you can just kind of look at some different, um, you know, kind of just take, take in what's going on or you can just dive into an activity. Um, you know, but they're also, they're always, you know, just places where you can just kind of, you know, you know, sit by yourself, just kind of recharge if you need to. Um, and, um, yeah, I don't know, uh, David, I don't know if you have anything to add or, you know, just in your experience. That's a special feeling, right? Because oftentimes, like, m- throughout the weekdays, Monday through Friday, our libraries are always hosting programming, mm-hmm. right? Like, whether it's maker spaces, knitting, story times in the morning, like, there is always a lot of community engagement within our libraries, but I think what especially makes like Neighborhood Comics Fest so special is like it's outdoors and there's a multitude of different activities and programs all happening at once. Right? Like it's not as tailored in terms of like this is strictly like the knitting club per se, right? This is a lot more expansive and extensive in terms of like the community partners that are there. You know, it's not every day a big Nazo comes and visits the library, for example, right? <laughs> So it's like a lot of these like one-offs that make that feel so much more intentional and exciting. And as I said before, most importantly, like engaging. And that's what a lot of the families and the kids feel when they come in is like, I want to be able to get through all the booths. I want to get my face painted. I want to get my palm read. Like it's all happening at once. And just to see that level of excitement, again, it's just, it's special. It's special. And again, something that truthfully like cannot be replicated because each time we do the neighborhoods comics fest i feel like there's always a different highlight yeah it definitely is it's like fun to you know add new things you know see, see what um what's been popular in the past or you know if you know we got like an idea from something from a prior year and we kind of want to explore it a little more deeply um you know we can kind of you know expand on that and um you know see what people really enjoyed and yeah yeah it's di- different every year and it's, it's really exciting that's awesome so other than attending, because it sounds like everybody should attend, um, what other ways can people support the event? Is there someone or a group in the community that you'd really love to support, uh, come host a program, host a table, anything like that? Yeah, so we, um, we're always, um, you know, we, we love um, connecting with local artists or organizations that are focusing on art and art making, um, you know, public art, things like that. Um, you know, so we'd love to, you know, you know, if, if there are new opportunities to collaborate, uh, we're always really excited about that. Um, if there are any librarians or library staff who want to check it out and get some inspiration for things they could try, um, that's always great. Um, uh, we, we love to take some like um, donations of graphic novels or comic books for kids that we could then um, you know give away. Um, that's you know always another great way to support. Um, and yeah, and just you know, t- tell your friends, tell tell your you know, people who you think might be interested, and um, yeah, it, you know, just. Get no, the I definitely agree with Mr. Jack. This is a call for local talent across the board, mm-hmm. and what I love is our librarians, our clerks, our library staff in general. All of them are such talented individuals. As I like made a reference earlier, like the knitting club is literally led by one of our clerks at the library. Like mm-hmm. we're not necessarily even having to contract to bring someone in from the outside to do a lot of this work like in-house we have so much talent i'll give a shout out right now to kevin from onlyville library who knows how to make like animals out of balloons 
And it's like awesome. And he told me like, yeah, I had to learn this a, year, a couple of years ago because we didn't have the funding to hire someone to come in and create animals out of balloons, right? So that's definitely a call. But again, also looking at our local talent outside the library space, like I would love to bring in uh, more magicians, right, of some sort uh, who can come in and do some of that level of programming during the festival. Um, and same thing in terms of like our artists. We have a ton of local artists. Like I'm sure there's a way we can organize someone who like specializes in like quote unquote like spray painting art, you know, get a piece of cardboard, let the kids like understand like what the process entails. So I think in terms of local talent, I want to collaborate. If they reach out to community libraries of Providence, I really think the possibilities are endless. And then earlier a reference was made in terms of like our local businesses as well. Like we would always appreciate being able to get, you know, affordable meals, uh, one restaurant in the neighborhood that is like partnered with the library in the past, which I've always appreciated is El Eden, who will offer like discounted empanadas to the staff. You know, that way we have free food that's local in the neighborhood. And then at the same time, you combine that with our local comic book shop, Raw Cocos on Academy Avenue. Similarly, like they've provided us with free comic books in the past as well, or they give us a bulk at a discounted rate. That way we have, again, those graphic novels and comics to share. But the more the merrier, without question. Anything else that you want people to know about Neighborhood Comics Fest or, Garrett, anything else that's coming up for the library uh, this fall? Yeah, so we would love to people to just uh, drop in anytime during that um, four-hour block. Uh, if you want to ch- check back on the website closer to the event, there might be um, you know, just for the most up-to-date details about special things happening at certain, like, um, hour marks in your time slots, but uh, there'll be something going on whenever you drop drop in um, between one and five on the day of the event, um, and yeah, and then just in, in, at the libraries this fall, there's a lot a lot of really exciting things going on in my um, in my own little uh, world uh, department. Um, doing a lot of makerspace activities, so we have a lot of really great opportunities to learn different machines, laser cutting, sewing, um, uh, vinyl cutting, making t-shirts, um, making like printing on mugs. So we have all kinds of really cool opportunities to do something creative, uh, make something with your hands. Um, but something special at um, all, um, all the neighborhood libraries and um, they're always coming up with really creative, creative ideas. So definitely check in with your local library and see what's going on. And even if you are outside of Providence, check in with your local library because there's always something cool going on in a library. Yeah. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. And like one piece we always have to emphasize is how much our libraries have evolved, right? This basic notion that libraries are just a space where you check out books could not be further from the truth. Like we have libraries literally hosting like free food pantries, accessible programming for youth. That's where community meetings happen. Like our libraries are, again, public community spaces. And it really makes a difference when one actually goes to their library, checks out books, attends programming, because all that information and data is recorded. And that information and data helps justify additional investments from local and state governments. And I say that specifically because, again, one number that's always referenced is what's the quote-unquote circulation rate. What's the circulation rate for our different library branches? What is the need? What is the demand? What is the attendance for different programs? And when there continues to be a spike in attendance and circulation and programming, it makes it so much easier 
for our library systems to go back to local governments and say, we want to request more money this year in the state budget or in the city budget. Then it allows for advocates and elected officials to also further advocate and say, like, the data here is very clear. There is a demand for additional programming. There is a demand for additional staff. So I cannot emphasize enough just showing up to programming, checking out a book. It all makes a difference and it's all recorded. And to be clear, it's recorded in a very generic sort of like the number of books that are are circulated gets recorded, the number of people at programs, not individual, what yes, one absolutely. person checks out. I just want to make sure that that's clear. We are no, very intentional in libraries not to collect personal data um, and to really respect our patrons' privacies of what they're accessing. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and David, where can people find uh, where you're going to be wrestling? Yeah, so that would be the rwaforever.com. And you have access to all the different events that are coming up. Again, we do it every last weekend of the month. And one thing I always emphasize is that it is a affordable and accessible. And truthfully, that is the one commitment I received from the promoter when I told him I will definitely work with y'all. But I always ask that tickets never be more than 10 bucks, no more than five bucks for kids. And they've always maintained that and tickets have always been affordable. And again, it's frustrating to see when other like local promotions are charging upwards of like $25 plus for tickets. Because again, the point of like doing local shows is to bring in, in my opinion, families in the neighborhood, people in the community, to be able to appreciate the art form without the stress of having to go to the convention center and spending $80 plus for a ticket to a Monday Night Raw, for example. Mm-hmm. So again, I will always just emphasize our promotion takes pride in not only the content and the quality of the entertainment that we provide for families, but also the fact that we're very intentional in terms of how affordable and accessible it is. And I've always told people in the past, and this goes for anyone listening right now on the podcast, you are always free to reach out to me and I am more than happy to cover your ticket ahead of the show. Okay. We are now at our final question of the show. Um, What are you currently reading and who would you recommend it to? I just started um, uh, Dry by Neil Schusterman. It's been on my list of books I wanted to read for a while. Um, but it's really, um, it's, so it's basically, it takes place in uh, California during a drought that kind of escalates to a point where uh, basically the water dries up and then people kind of become desperate and um, just kind of things kind of uh, devolve from there. So, um, so it's really interesting. I would recommend it to someone who, um, is into that kind of like on the brink of apocalypse kind of thing. Like some things are kind of starting to fall apart. Like first episode of um, last of us kind of vibe where like, you know, things seem like, okay, like, you know, the society's kind of, you know, things are getting a little stressful. You know, there's, you know, you know, this, but it's, it's like the, the realism of, you know, you know, that could potentially happen, you know um, you know, and that's the only if, certain things that have to kind of go wrong for that to be a reality. And um, so I think that if you're interested in that kind of like realistic kind of like apocalyptic kind of situation, um, uh, then it seems that it's, it's, a, it's been a really good one so far. Yeah, and currently I am reading The Color of Law 
by Dr. Richard Rothstein, which again outlines the unfortunate reality that explains racial segregation in terms of housing and also the lack of housing production across certain communities, especially in the context of today where we have a housing crisis, where rents are too high, housing is just simply unaffordable. This book really traces back what I would consider to be the epitome as to why we're in these crises and why it impacts other communities a lot more disproportionately, specifically those of lower incomes. Uh, So it's been, again, important to read in the context of understanding why our systems are the way they are, why it was done by design, but most importantly, how we can start not necessarily even just thinking, but acting through policy to alleviate a lot of those damages and how we can ensure that everyone is safely housed. And I always put out the reminder, but we are a part-time state legislature from January through June. So right now we're in the quote-unquote off-season as we're in recess. So I always appreciate having more breathing room to be able to read books like that and start stimulating my mind in terms of what I want to focus on going into the next session. I just finished yesterday. Um, This is how you lose the time war. I think that's the full title. Uh, It's a short like novella um, written by two authors and it's about sort of this futuristic uh, society. I don't know about society, but it's a time in, in the future in which there are these time travelers who go through and sort of change events for their warring factions to remain in control. And these two, they're not even really people. They're just sort of beings that travel through time, um, sort of overlap. And then they start writing each other letters secretly in the fabrics of time and they fall in love. And it's really beautiful and interesting and poetic. And so if you like time travel, because we talked about that a little bit, um, and you can, you know, if you can suspend your sort of disbelief about how time travel works and how impacting um events of time and how two time travelers might even be able to be in the same place at the same time when they're alternating time at the same time. Uh, If you can suspend all of that, uh, because the the book really doesn't deal with how that really works, it it is very much focused on these two characters uh, crossing paths and and developing this relationship. And it's absolutely beautiful. So I highly recommend it. Uh, There you go. That's really good. I might check that one out. Yeah. And it, the audiobook's only four hours, so you know it's nice and short. Uh, yeah. So that's our show. Uh, thank you both so much for being here and talking with me today. Um, and we'll see you at Neighborhood Comics Fest on November 4th in the afternoon. Uh, and sometimes around, David, either out in public with your title or at your events at the end of every month. This was a ton of fun. Thank you again so much, Emily, just for allowing us to have this platform. And as stated before, we hope to see our communities on November 4th for our Neighborhood Comics Festival. Hope to catch you at the next Renegade Wrestling Alliance show. But again, hope everyone takes care. Yeah, thank you so much and hope to see everyone at the event. Bye. Brody Radio is proud to be a resident partner of the Rhode Island Center for the Book and is brought to you by library staff and community members all around the Ocean State. This episode was made possible in part by a grant from the Rhode Island Council for the Humanities, an independent affiliate of the National Endowment for the Humanities. 
The Rhode Island Council for the Humanities seeds, supports, and strengthens public history, cultural heritage, civic education, and community engagement by and for all Rhode Islanders. You can find more from Rhodey Radio on Facebook and Instagram. And if you enjoyed today's episode, subscribe to Rhodey Radio and rate or review us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to help us reach more Rhode Islanders.